Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Canberra Football Show, episode 79. Russ Gibbs is back with us today. Russ, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. You've been a busy man with all the commentary lately. And uh, how's it all been now? We're officially a third of the way through. Still a few catch-up matches, but mostly there. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? A third of the way through. It's been a good season so far. I've had a really busy time. Um, Today, we popped out to uh, St. John Pope Paul II College in Nichols with the Australia Cup. And we had hundreds of kids out there taking their photo with the actual Australia Cup, which uh, is sat in my bedroom at the moment, all packed up in the corner there, ready to go to Radford tomorrow. And then it will go to Canberra Grammar School and Marist as well. We still have a couple of spots left, one on Friday potentially, and one Monday next week. If anybody out there um, wants the Australia Cup to visit their school, drop us an email at rust.gibbs at capitalfootball.com.au and we might be able to bring it to you on Monday ahead of the press conference on Tuesday and then, of course, our cup final on Saturday week. You mentioned there June 3rd, I believe, is the date at Deakin Stadium, correct? It'll be um, it'll be Canberra Olympic versus Canberra Croatia in the um, men's Oz Cup qualifying final and the Federation Cup final just before that, Gungahlin United against Bell Conan United. Michael, uh, quite quite uh, the round we've had today. How's it going? Doing good, thanks, Matt. Uh, obviously, we were treated to some excellent goals last week uh, in the MPL in particular. Uh, and, uh, Russ, it was good that you shared uh, some of those cracking goals on your Facebook page, as I'm sure a lot of people got to see if they didn't see it live on Bar TV or if they weren't at the game live themselves. But uh, we were treated to some absolute crackers. And, I mean, the nonstop action sort of carried over uh, to this past weekend as well. Some great games, some fantastic goals, and just keen to sort of get into it as always. Yeah, that is definitely correct. Let's get straight into it. Let's start with O'Connor Knights against Tigers FC. 3-0 to Tigers in this one. Uh, seemed like a tightly contested uh, first half with both sides uh, having some chances, battling it out before the break, but it was still nil-nil. Uh, it was Josh Golevsky that broke the deadlock seven minutes into the second half, or sorry, eight minutes into the second half with his seventh goal of the campaign. Nikos Kalfas whipped a nice ball over the top of the defence for Golevsky to run onto. And he was one-on-one with the keeper and he buried it. Uh, he's now toint, he is joint top goal scorer with Nick Popovich. Uh, Tigers made it 2-0 nine minutes later as Kalfas went for a scintillating run, weaving in and out of defenders as he cut in, struck a shot which deflected off the defender and it hit the crossbar and uh, bounced off Iran. So uh, it was a recorded as an own goal for Aranza. A little unlucky for him there, but 2-0, two Tigers nonetheless. And a great run as well from Nikos Kalfas. Uh, Angelo Santi uh, came very close to halving the deficit 10 minutes later as his header hit the far post, but it did not go past the line. Tigers buried the contest just before the final whistle as Emilio Kishta whipped in a nice corner directly for Ed McCarthy to header at home for 3-0. Impressive win from the Tigers. This is also an important one as they keep pace with Olympic and they're three points behind them in second place, but they still have a match in hand remaining. Uh, this loss for O'Connor Knights means they drop to fourth place, tied with Gungahlin, but lead on goal difference. So not all doom and gloom for them as they've had some really good form leading up to this point. And uh, Tigers on the day, especially in that second half, uh, were just too good, Russ. Yeah, they were, weren't they, in the second half? But it really could have gone either way. There was that the the penalty that Josh Golesky missed 
that was saved by Seberans. And then, of course, uh, Knights went immediately at the other end and had a shout of their own. And there was a fair few people in and around that ground that thought that might have been a penalty for them. And, of course, it didn't happen. And then two minutes later, they found themselves 1-0 down there chasing the match after that. And Tigers were very professional in the result they got. Um, again, the same issues that the Knights had uh, for, for most of the season. They look very fluid getting into that final third. They just can't find the finishing touch to put some teams away. And they got punished by a very good Tiger side. Uh, Nick Tineski pulled out in the warm-up. He went out for a fitness test and wasn't quite right. So they didn't risk him. Uh, just goes to show how much quality the Tigers have got, that they didn't miss him, that they brought Julian Borgner into the lineup, and he did very well indeed. Got the result, as you said, and it was very impressive to, for them to to see that. You know, they've got a good side, haven't they? They've got a really good, strong a strong squad. Um, some people might think that they can be got at defensively, but, you know, Milutinovic and Senior are forming a really strong partnership now in central defence, and they've got a bit of pace out wide in Madafari and Robertson to cover there too. So they've got all the bases covered, the Tigers. The Knights away is a difficult place to go. Um, we seem to have lived at O'Connor this year. We've been to so many games there. and uh, O'Connor have had lots of home games. They need to get on their road soon and see how they pick up some points. I, I think in June, they'll look to maybe bolster their ranks up front. They had chances, as you mentioned, uh, for Kenny Manda's shot was blocked by Cole just before Angelo Santi hit the bar with that header for two. Would have been 2-1, would have been game on. Um, but they need to find something in the final third as well, just a bit more firepower. And um, they're not far away. They're very close to being a side that will contend. And they'll be disappointed with their second half. But the Tigers, of course, they cruise, cruised on again. And another three points. And they're within touching distance with that game in hand. Yeah, and the team that O'Connor Knights are currently tied with also played uh, just earlier than that, Michael. Uh, what was the score in the Gungahlin West Canberra Wanderers one? Look, this one was an absolutely entertaining clash, uh, guys. This was unbelievable. Uh, West Canberra Wanderers 3, Gungahlin United 4. Uh, for West Canberra, the goal scorers were uh, Vickers and Guo with an own goal and Ribbon in injury time. For Gungahlin United, Fernando and a Josh Kaspari second half hat-trick got Gungahlin United over the line in this contest. Like I said from the very beginning, this was a fantastic game of football on display in uh, West Canberra. Five of the uh, seven goals uh, in this match coming in the second half uh, of play. You know, it was the perfect start for West Canberra. You know, as Vickers opened the scoring, capping off a really well-worked move that developed from the left side of the pitch before he smacked it into the back of the goal. And then from that moment onwards, you know, Gunners, they thought they had, they had equalised after Namoski hit the post from a free kick, which was then bundled in off the rebound, but the offside flag was then raised. And then, you know, literally a few moments later, West Canberra then uh, st struck the post uh, as well. So they had a very good opportunity to double their advantage after sort of getting off the hook with conceding a chance like that down on their end of the field, but Gungahlin would eventually uh, find their equaliser just before halftime after a great ball over the top from defender Bedreldon Abbas to Fernando, who did uh, very well to take a touch, uh, sit one defender down before scoring into the far corner. And then the second half, you know, it was a little bit cagey to obviously begin with, and then we reached the sort of final 20 minutes, and that's when the floodgates really opened up in, in this match. 
And, you know, as West Canberra regained the lead through an, an own goal uh, from Guo, Gunners, you know, however, for the second time, found an equaliser through a peach of a free kick from uh, Gaspari. Uh, difficult angle for it. So, I mean, there was a lot to do, but nevertheless, he found the far corner of the goal to score. At that point, it was 2-2, and then Gaspari would pop up again to give Gunners uh, their first lead uh, in injury time after some great sort of individual skill to eventually work the ball in the box to a few of his teammates before the ball ended up back with him and he found the far corner and then he completed uh, his hat-trick, a nine-minute hat-trick uh, from the penalty spot to make it 4-2 to his side before West Canberra uh, would score a consolation goal right at the end through Ripon. But ultimately it wasn't enough as West Canberra didn't get anything from the game and it was Gungahlin that got the three points. So, I mean, there was a lot that happened, particularly in that last... 20 minutes and like I mentioned before as well it was a very good contest up until the floodgates really started to open up uh, it was a really tight and contested uh, game uh, Russ what were your thoughts uh, on this match obviously the standout performer you would say would be Gaspari the fact that he's uh, produced a nine-minute hat-trick, like I said, to essentially prove to be the difference. But West Canberra, despite their struggles, really put it to Gungahlin United in this match, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they've had a good week in terms of performances, uh, but they've not got the results out of it, have they? They've gone to Deakin Stadium and pushed Canberra Crash all the way with 10 men, um, only to concede the second goal deep in stoppage time last week to lose 2-0. And they're backing up on the weekend with a with a really good performance against Gungahlin United. Um, at 2-1 up with eight minutes to play, there was a short, short uh, shock on the cards and a, a lot of um, interested parties around the grounds. I was at O'Connor watching it and a few people um, couldn't believe what was going on when we were bringing the scores across, uh, that they were 2-1 up. But, you know, when you need your big players to step up at big moments, you, when we'll talk about, I'm sure, Monero Panthers in, in a moment with their big players stepping up at big moments... Up pops Josh Gaspari, one of the best players we've got in Canberra, in my opinion, in terms of his ability. And he just turned it on, didn't he? Um, and it was an individual display that really dragged his team off the canvas. Um, they looked like they were going to get beaten. You mentioned a free kick, audacious finish from out there with the whip and the curl. But that that third goal the for Gungahlin, his second, was just incredible. The way he's ran... 90 degrees perpendicular to the penalty area and then changed angle 90 degrees and changed it again, played a little one-two with Fernando and then curled it in the corner. Absolutely brilliant. And you, I think he had the captain's armband on on the weekend in the absence of Jack Green. Um, and he stood up and was counted when needed for his team. Got his hat-trick from the penalty spot, as you mentioned. And the Wanderers will wonder what they've got to do, won't they? They've scored three times against a really good side and um, have come away with nothing again. They've just got to take the positives from it and go, well, we were eight minutes away from getting a result off the back of a tough 90 minutes on Wednesday. So if they can do that again, it doesn't get any easier for them, does it? They've got Canberra Olympic away this weekend. So it's a real tough one once more, a team that's beaten them 5-0 um, in round one. So it's going to be a tough one for them again, but plenty of positives for them to take. They've just got to keep believing in themselves. For the Gunners, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, I think, that they've used up there. Weren't at their best. Um, they haven't been at their best for a while. They've just been playing in patches, and there's a few teams that have done that, but they've got the quality to to do it when it needed to. And yeah, kudos to Josh Gaspari because he was the man on the weekend and 
We haven't had many hat-tricks in the Premier League this season, but that one's up there with the best. Absolutely, Russ. It was a fantastic individual performance, like you said, to really drag his team from sort of that low point that they were experiencing at that time, uh, possibly facing a loss uh, against a struggling West Canberra outfit. And then he sort of just, like you said, had the captain's armband on and had that responsibility to you know, put the team on his back and get them the win, which is what he did. So, uh, and we've said, job. and we've said all through the season that this West Canberra Wanderers side is probably a bit better than their results suggest. They were struggling to score yeah. goals. Now they may have found the solution to that. Now they've got three of them on the weekend. It's not got them a result, but it, it's a like I said, it's another boost in the right direction for them to say, well, we're scoring now. Now it's just need to tighten up at the back, and the result will come. And and you know as well as I do, and, and we, we've espoused this for a long, long time across this show, across many seasons now, that even the teams at the bottom of the table on their day are more than capable of getting a result against the sides that we would think are going to be pushing for titles and top four and, and finals football. And Wanderers showed it on the weekend that they were so close to doing it. What they need to do now is is try and back it up and get a positive result, put that pressure on Tuggerong United above them. Absolutely. Matt? Who's uh, next up in our MPL uh, breakdown? Next up was Monaro Panthers against Tugger and United over at Riverside. Uh, it was 2-1 in this contest to Monaro. Tuggies opened the scoring on the hour mark. They had some uh, nice advancing play for this one down the field in the build-up, which ended with Sam Walker uh, whipping in across for Luke Stevens as he was one-on-one with the keeper. He did not miss his chance and buried it past him. Monaro struck back to level the playing field five minutes later via none other than Rocco Stricker. Adam Nu uh, uh, ran down the left wing and placed a pass to Stricker. He was able to hit it first time past Adam Stevens. Uh, despite the mounting pressure from Monaro, Tuggeronong were holding out resiliently in this one. Uh, they had a few counters and chances on their own. However, it's fair to say Monaro did um, have the better of the chances. And even scored a goal late on, but it was ruled off. It was ruled for offside. And when I was watching the second half of this one, I must say Adam Stevens had some absolutely um, terrific saves in this one. Uh, Russ and I, of course, no strangers that are, to that, as we called his performance in that CPL 23's final last year for Wagga, where he was absolutely outstanding as well. He's been a quality addition to this Tuggy side. Uh, when it looked like this was um, going to end up in a draw, right at the death, Monaro scored the winner. And who scored, you ask? None other than Rocco Stricker for a brace. Uh, Robbie Tachenko whipped a massive ball into the box. Stricker climbed highest for an, uh, another good header here. Uh, this is Stricker's fourth goal of the campaign, tied top goal scorer for Monaro with Connor Minot-Smith. And Monaro are seemingly making this a habit um, of scoring late in the dying seconds of the match at Riverside. Uh, they did it against uh, Croatia a couple of weeks back. It's an important victory for Monaro, though, as they drop as they jump up to third place, one point above O'Connor and Gungalan, who are in fourth. And as mentioned before, uh, Tuggies, despite that growing pressure, nearly fought out a draw in this one. They remain in seventh place, three points above the Wanderers and five points behind sixth place Canberra Croatia. Uh, thoughts on this one, Russ? I mentioned before how this is becoming a bit of a trend for Monaro. Uh, maybe you can tell me how many matches they've done. Because I swear they, they obviously did it in Croatia and I against Croatia at home. But I think they also did it in another match this season at home. I could three, be wrong. Three, this could be the third time yeah, they've done it late. 
three in a row, actually. Um, because oh, there you go. The, winner, <laughs> the 94th minute yeah. against Croatia. Conor Minot-Smith scored in the 93rd, but it was a consolation mm. um, against O'Connor Knights in the 2-1 defeat. And then, of course, the Rocco Stricker won again in the 94th minute, again from a header um, at the same end that he won it against Canberra, Croatia. You wouldn't script it, really. It's in quite incredible when you think about it. Um, but we mentioned, I was mentioning Josh Kaspari earlier, same scenario. Um, Monero had had 35 attempts on goal. Um, they hadn't really tested Matt Stevens, uh, Matt Stevens, um, Adam Stevens too much, apart from, you know, it cut that world-class save he made for Robert Kachenko, which was an unbelievable stop. It, it looked like it was arrowing in the corner. He made a couple more really good saves as well, but of those 35 attempts, most of them were, were uh, a long way away from goal and not very accurate, but they battled and battled and battled Tuggeron and they, they thought they were going to come away with a point to be undone by a, a good bit of a good bit of skill. I mean, the ball in from Kachenko was was quality and the header was superb. The one that was disallowed just beforehand, sim, same combination. You thought, well, is that is that Tuggeron's night? Have they got themselves a point out of this? But they didn't manage to hold on. And, you know, Rocco Stricker does what Rocco Stricker does. You, He's one of the, the best players we have. He's a game changer. He's got that X factor and he's come up trumps for him again. He's pulled them six points out of the bag. It's not only him, of course, it's a team game, but he's scoring the goals at the uh, at the vital times for them. And it's making it a really big occasion for, for the Panthers to, to come out and win. Now they've got this ridiculous win-loss record that I've been harping on about in commentary since the grand final last year, where they've gone win-loss, win-loss, win-loss now for about 10 or 11 games. And they've got Tigers this weekend and that according to that, they're on an L week. They need to break that. They've got to break that curse to get themselves into into mix. They're thinking third in the table. Um, you know, and they, and they haven't strung together successive wins yet, which just goes to show how close this competition is. They've got some real quality in that team, and and they've they've managed to get themselves a victory on the weekend. I felt for Tuggeron. They felt four minutes was too long to add on at the end of the game, and. I guess you could go back and look through the second half and make your own judgment about that. There was some substitutions and some goals. So four minutes seems to be round about what we're getting these days, but we are getting an immense amount of late goals. And there was another one there. I, I thought Tuggeron defended superbly. They were resolute. They rode their luck at times. You have to. Um, and I don't blame them for having a, a, a low block defensive unit against the Panthers away. They need, they know that if they went toe to toe, they'll probably get beat because there's better individual players on the other side um, that have played together longer and 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 are possibly better than what Tuggeron have got. But they've, they've fought hard again. And much like West Canberra Wanderers, they're not far away from, from taking a scalp outside of the bottom two. And I think it can come for them. Uh, Mitch Stevens definitely thinks it can come for them. Um, and uh, maybe it'll be this weekend. We'll wait and see. But a good performance all round. Enjoyed the game. I mean, I love a dramatic conclusion. And we're getting bags and bags of them this season. On another note, I'd just like to congratulate uh, Monero Panthers head coach Ian Worthington, who post-match um, proposed to his partner Robin Dearlove in, in the uh, after-match function. And she said yes. It was something that he had asked me to help him with during the week. And we staged a very elaborate setup for him to be able to make that proposal. And fortunately, she said yes. And fortunately, from a Panthers persuasion, Rocco Stricker's goal made it a bit more of a happier night than it might have been had they come away with a 1-1 draw. Uh, congratulations to Ian Worthington there indeed. Um, Michael, uh, another team that's riding high is a match you're about to break down now in a massive dive. Absolutely, Matt. Uh, it was Canberra Olympic who arrived at Deakin Stadium and 
were able to get a 2-1 victory against Canberra, Croatia. Uh, a huge result for Olympic against one of their, you know, biggest uh, rivals in this MPL uh, competition. Sorry, competition. Uh, Olympic, you know, they got off to the perfect start in this game, you know, after just two minutes when Nick Popovich made a great run in behind the defence, which was matched with a fantastic ball over the top to find him before, you know, a bit of a for fortunate finish uh, past the keeper uh, to make it 1-0 after only a couple of minutes. So from a Canberra Olympic perspective, you couldn't really ask for much more you know, going ahead after just two minutes away from home in such a intense and uh, big game in, in terms of a rivalry. Uh, you know, Flores almost made it 2-0 uh, for Olympic uh, as, you know, it was just over 10 minutes later after Popovich had opened uh, the scoring where he had managed to find himself a little bit of space in the box before hitting the far post. So, at that moment, Canberra Croatia were sort of scrambling defensively and could sort of count their blessings that they were only still 1-0 behind and not 2-0 behind after, you know, less than 15 minutes uh, into the game. But, you know, in, in the second half, um, you know, the intensity uh, was certainly there uh, between these two teams and, you know, the, the hosts, they had appeals for a handball, which were waved away. Uh, you could see that they were pretty upset about it. And that at that point, they were down to 10 men, uh, Canberra, Croatia. But then that literally saw Olympic go and hit them on the counter-attack at the other end of the pitch. And it was Popovich that displayed his class, you know, up front with, you know, beating two defenders confidently and then scoring to make it 2-0 with just over 20 minutes to go. So that proved to be a very decisive moment in the match, particularly in the second half where you have, you know, a potential penalty being waved away. And then, you know, you find yourself sort of five, 10 seconds later conceding at the other end when you're looking to get back into the game. So it only makes the task more difficult being two nil down rather than one nil down. Amachaibu uh, would convert from the penalty spot uh, in, you know, obviously a consolation penalty there and injury time to, you know, set up a bit of a nervy finish for the visitors to try and hang on, but they did manage to hang on and get a crucial three points, did Canberra Olympic. So a fantastic result uh, for them away from home at the expense of Canberra, Croatia. Russ, what were your thoughts uh, on this match? A couple of key moments that helped sort of influence the result in this match where we saw Canberra Olympic come away with the victory, like I mentioned. Yeah, the Canberra Classico delivered again, didn't it? It often does. It's a it's a cracking contest between those two sides. Um, the sending off of Matty Gerbisher after about 25 minutes was obviously key. Um, Croatia having to play 70-plus minutes with uh, 10 men didn't help them, of course. I mean, by the time you mentioned that, they were 1-0 down. Uh, they, the start, they'd inflicted a, that horror start on Gungahlin in the, in the Cup semi-final after 26 seconds. Um, this time, they were bitten after 90. Um, Jason Matesha got a hand on it but couldn't keep it out as you mentioned. And Nick Popovich is in great form, isn't he? He's got, I think that's now seven league goals in six matches and five cup goals in three games as well. He's just in great form in front of goal. Um, when you've got him and Luca Flores up front, and they, they didn't even have Thomas James there on the weekend. He was suspended. It's just a great outfit. But the key moment, of course, was the one you mentioned. Um, I've watched it back several times. 
I've watched it with our referees at work several times. It's one of those ones that you you can you've seen him given. Um, the arms has it come off his chest first into his arm. Has it struck his arm at all? It's just really hard to see on the replay. There's big shouts for it, and as I said, you you've seen them given in the past. To compound matters, of course, it goes up the other end and. Nick Popovich scores what is a quite brilliant goal. I mean, you take everything away and take that into isolation. The way he's ridden the challenge, cut inside a second, and then found the composure just to slot home is is just absolutely brilliant. Um, didn't expect anything else for a guy in that kind of form, though. He's just flying at the moment, and everything he's touching is turning to gold. And Olympic will hope it, it carries on in two weeks' time. They hope they've not ridden their luck um, for the for the season at Deakin Stadium because that cup final between those two is now simmering very nicely indeed. I don't know if you saw the whole game, lads, but there were some incidents during the match that showed just how much it meant to players. There was a simmering tension under the surface in a few of the tackles that were going in. It was uh, very watchable. And um, Olympic have given themselves now a good platform there. Top of the table, they've got a three-point cushion. They put the pressure back on the Tigers, who've got to play that game in hand against Kigali United. That's not a given for them by any means. And then what they have done is created a 10-point buffer between them and Canberra Croatia. Now, for Canberra Croatia, there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? There's uh, there's work to be done in that final third. They've got so many good players. It's finding the, the, the combination that works for them that clicks. When they do, I've no doubt that they will give a team an absolute hammering. Um, they've got too much quality on that roster to be where they are on that league table, 10 points off the top, only a couple of places above the relegation zone. I have it on very good authority that there's going to be at least two incoming transfers in June. Um, of very good quality. I won't tell you who they are because it's not up to me to to be passing that information on. We'll wait for the clubs to do that for themselves. But both of these players, if they come in, are going to make a difference to this team. Um, and you'll see a different kind of Canberra Croatia. Now, I was chatting today to to Maddie Gerbisher about this and I was saying, look, three kicks of the ball away from four extra points. They've conceded three goals in the 94th minute, one that's cost them a, a draw and two that's cost them um, victories. Uh, no, sorry, another draw and, and a victory. So there's points there that have gone begging. And if they'd had those points, then they'd be higher up the table, obviously. Um, so it's not all doom and gloom for them. And you know what it's like with Canberra, Croatia. There's a lot of pressure on that football club. But they've got the derby this weekend. They win the derby game. If they win that, they go to the cup final. Then if they win that, they're in the round of 32. All of a sudden, life looks a bit more rosy, doesn't it? And everything's a bit more happier in the camp. But it is the most scrutinised club we have in Canberra. They have a very, very impatient support base that wants to win every single week. It puts pressure on the players uh, and they need, you need to be a certain kind of footballer to thrive in that atmosphere. Um, they've got them. Uh, they need to be able to now show everybody what they've got quality-wise. And I think we'll see a response this weekend. And as Dean Greenwich mentioned in the newspaper today, they've got to get 10, uh, 11 players on the park. Four send-offs this season um, of, for, for players-wise. Three of them, of course, for two yellows. And Steve Dominici's one at Gungala, which got him a weak span, so it wasn't too bad. But you can't play in this division with 10 players every week. It's going to hurt you. It really, really is, Ross. That's a great point, I think, that you make um, most definitely. Matt, do you want to go through the uh, MPL Round 8 uh, fixtures? Yeah, and uh, as we said, a third of the way... Through the season, we now play the reverse fixtures and we start with the Battle of the Big Cats Tigers against Monaro, Saturday, May 27, 3 p.m. at AIS Grassfield 2. Then we've got Olympic versus the Wanderers, uh, West Canberra Wanderers, that is, 
Saturday, May 27, 3 p.m. at O'Connor Enclosed. Then we've got, as Russ mentioned just before, the Croatian derby, uh, Canberra, Croatia against O'Connor Knights, Sunday, May 28th at uh, 3 p.m. at Deakin Stadium. And then uh, Gungahlin United against Tuggerong United, Sunday, May 28th at AAS Grassfield 2 at 3 p.m. Uh, Russ, which ones will you be covering? And uh, before that, and, and then after that as well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'll be at the um, Riverside Stadium for the Tigers' home game against Monero Panthers, which is a bit of a bizarre one, isn't it? Um, Panthers away at home, but the Battle of the Big Cats Part 2 um, is my first game. And then, of course, the Chivapi Derby on Sunday, the Knights and the uh, Croatia, always a good occasion as well. Really looking forward to both of those. Uh, really looking forward to the rest of the week, taking us Australia Cup around to schools. I'm really looking forward to the build-up to the cup final as well. And, you know, we got the WNPL teams playing in the Federation Cup before, Belconnen and Gagana, and that's going to be a corker as well. What a day we've got. And uh, plenty of football coming up too. There'll be some midweek catch-up games in WNPL. There'll be some... The Gunners-Tigers game is, is mooted to be the same weekend as the cup final, whether it be the Friday or the Sunday. It won't be on the Saturday, but it'll be around that weekend potentially. So we'll have a bit of NPL action there for you too. And as always, a pleasure to come on here and talk to you guys. And I'll repeat what I said pre-coming um, on the record here. Uh, Michael Georgieski's Madura um, Instagram account that your club runs is absolutely incredible. If anybody's out there and hasn't seen it, get onto Instagram, check the Madura um, Football Club State League account. It's well worth your time. It's uh, it's one of the funniest things I've seen for ages, and the, and the production values are brilliant. Um, congratulations to you guys for putting it together. No, I appreciate that very much, Russ, uh, giving us a nice uh, a plug there. But uh, like you said, uh, head over to Instagram and uh, and check our uh, content out. We're uh, trying to put as much different uh, uh, pieces of content on there as we can. And sort of as we're sort of getting into the season now, we're sort of just coming up with some new uh ideas but one of our sort of most uh consistent videos is our sort of weekly lineup uh videos uh which we have a lot of fun with so um yeah we're looking to sort of build the page up so i mean if you haven't checked it out go and check it out it's mufc friends um and yeah i mean if you want to have a good laugh or, or um say some good quality content uh go and check it out but appreciate the uh oh, it- the love rock it's worth it just to look at your haircut in that uh, preseason videos, mate. Oh, to be honest, uh, it was very, very, very long, and I had blonde in it. Uh, it's obviously I look very, very different these days now. So, <laughs> no, but it's it, seriously, it's, it's really good content, and you guys should be very proud. Whoever's putting that together, uh, pat on the back, and uh, yeah, kudos, keep it up. Welcome back to our MPLW segment, Matt. We kick things off with West Canberra Wanderers. Up against Canberra Croatia was the visitors who got a 5-1 victory in this game. It was Whitfield on the score sheet for West Canberra. For Canberra Croatia, it was Palombi Muzzers with a double to continue her recent form, Mitchell and Bongiorno in injury time to seal a very impressive three points for the away side. Obviously, West Canberra Wanderers, their uh, woes continue, Matt. Uh, and in at this instance, it was at the expense of Canberra Croatia, who are obviously a great side and they're in form. So despite, you know, 
in this game being at their absolute devastating best. You know, Canberra Croatia managed to do enough to solidify a three-goal lead after the first 45 minutes of play, thanks to good strikes from Palombi yet again. Uh, Marzis, who I mentioned at the top, has been in some good form this season, particularly in recent weeks, so that's got to please Zoran Glavinich most definitely and Mitchell with the third goal to give them that comfortable lead uh, heading into the break. Uh, Marzis uh, bagged her second goal of the game uh, with a nice strike at the near post, Matt. It was a very good finish. And for West Canberra, you know, despite being at that point 4-0 down, they managed to get a goal back through Whitfield with five minutes to go before Bongiorno secured the fifth goal thanks to a nice shot off the far post and into the back of the net. So that secured a 5-1 victory for Canberra-Croatia. Want to make a quick mention to Amy McLaughlin, who played her 150th NPLW match on Sunday. So congratulations to her for reaching such an impressive milestone. Just goes to show how long she's been around in the NPLW setup, playing football at the highest uh, level here in Canberra. So congratulations uh, to her. And what this means in terms of the league table, Matt, Obviously, midweek, Belco and Olympic had initially overtaken Canberra, Croatia. Um, but after the results this weekend, and obviously we'll get into more of those results for MPLW as the show goes on, it now means after the results from this past weekend that Canberra, Croatia are now top alongside the likes of Olympic and Belco. And I do believe, Matt, that it's Belco who... It's a three-way tie between those three teams in terms of points, but Belcon and United uh, are technically top of the table on goal difference. Yeah, and that's a good yeah, and that's a that's a good segue. And part of the reason why Canberra Croatia um, leapfrog back after the midweek uh, catch-up fixtures is because of this great comeback from ANU uh, W. It was two-two. Belcon and United against ANUW. Izzy Highmarsh opened the scoring in this one on the 18th minute mark with an incredible strike from a free kick from well outside the box. Ball looped in over uh, over the keeper, under the crossbar. So sort of we're keeping with that trend, Michael, of uh, these sort of goals in um, in the capital. There's a couple more as well that we're going to mention soon also. Uh, despite hitting the, uh, the post just earlier, Belko were able to double their lead Six minutes before halftime, Peltine uh, struck a shot from outside the box, sort of had a bounce just in front of the keeper, and uh, it went in under. The keeper was trying to make the save. In the second half, ANU were able to half the deficit 13 minutes into that second half as they quickly countered, uh, breaking the lines of Belco defence. The play ended with Sofia Chavera. Uh, performing a great turn and pass in the path of Sheridan McElligot, who expertly placed the ball past the keeper as she came, as the keeper came off her line in attempt to save it. Very well done here from ANUW. Great piece of play. And uh, ANUW uh, were determined to make the most of the position they were in as they leveled up the scores with, fifth, with 11 minutes remaining. Another quick counter-attack included with Alexandra Serras, uh, finding Roxy Swart out wide, and she placed it past Howarth to make it to two terrific comeback from ANUW. Uh, as we know, it's no easy feat to get a draw with uh, 
top of the table, Belko, uh, let alone come back from a two-goal deficit. Um, so well done to ANUW. Uh, they're still in sixth place. However, with the draw, they do now lead Tuggies by one point um, instead of tying with them on points. Belko, on the other hand, uh, with the dropping of the two points, means, means that they miss the chance to break away at the top of the table by a couple of points. They still remain top. As you mentioned, with both sides, uh, Croatia and Olympic, all on 16 points. However, Belko do have the goal difference. Uh, we've mentioned it um, in a couple of seasons, but it seems like the goal difference might be even more uh, important this year than most. And we're only at the start. So what a tit-for-tat, week-by-week title race we have on in MPLW at the moment as we are officially one-third through the competition. There is a couple of more play- um, matches to... Uh, catch up on, but we're essentially a third of the way through the regular season. Michael, who do we have next up? Yeah, next up, Matt, we have the Canberra United Academy who managed to pick up a good win over Tugranong 2-0 in this encounter, thanks to goals from DeCampley and Nealand for the hosts. CUA, you know, they continued, uh, you know, it's fine form, uh, it certainly in re- recent weeks to get this victory over Togranong. Uh, it was a very good sort of tight contest between these two teams to sort of show you where the level uh, was at. You know, the hosts opened the scoring through DeCampley, as I mentioned, through a spot kick in the 23rd minute. Uh, and that pretty much set Matty Moore's team up for the rest of the match, obviously getting that nice goal Uh in the sort of opening, you know, inside the first sort of 25 minutes of the game to really put them on on a good track uh, to essentially keep up that momentum and go ahead and get a second, which is what exactly what they did in the second half to make it 2-0 through Nealand after a good cross from the left side of the pitch uh, in the second half, which ultimately sealed another three points for the young squad. And we talked about it at the start of the season about how they were going to bounce back from you know the struggles that they endured last season in terms of where they ended up on the table, but you know they've started the season pretty strong and pretty well, and I'm sure Maddie Moore will be very happy from what he's seen so far, and you can only hope that for him and his team that that continues. Uh, but we have to sort of wait and see. Obviously, it's going to be interesting when they come up against the likes of Belco Olympic and Canberra Croatia, who, like we mentioned at the top are in a sort of three-horse tied race at the moment. So, you know, there's other teams that are looking to get into that top four situation and CUA will definitely be one of those teams having missed out last season. Matt, who do we have uh, last up in our uh, MPLW fixtures? Another uh, encounter that saw points dropped for uh, one of the leading sides. Indeed, and that, and this match was also one that I commentated on over at Gungahlin Enclosed. Um, it was, was a very tight affair with a lot of turnover of the ball in midfield, whether it was fought back or one back, too heavy a touch, or it was intercepted. Uh, the ball changed a lot in this one. It was just so um, back and forth and so competitive. Uh, Olympic probably had the better of the chances in the first half um, up until the goal, which uh, Gungahlin... Uh, defended resiliently beforehand, but it was going to, despite, like I said, despite Olympic having that momentum at the beginning, it was Gungahlin that opened the scoring 
uh, via Ginger Oliver, who from well outside the box, he had a fantastic free kick, a bullet that dipped in under the crossbar and over Janet King. So similar to uh, the Belko free kick we mentioned before, had a bit of a swerve on it as well, sort of going uh, right. So this was a really great goal. Go check it out. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, that was in the 39th minute. So just before halftime, uh, Gangala went in with the advantage Olympic even the playing field in the 68th minute as a cross in the box was battled out and Perich had a shot that uh, just went over the line. It looked like Robertson had cleared it off the line, seemingly. However, the linesman had the flag up immediately to indicate that it went over the line. So that is what the call uh, was and Olympic were 1-1. Olympic had uh, the chance to eat, uh, to uh, go ahead uh, late on in this one as Michaela Thornton stepped up from the penalty spot. Uh, the penalty was brilliantly saved by Emily Kelly. However, it was called up and retaken. And the second one, Michaela Thornton uh, hit it over the crossbar in the second attempt. So it ended as a draw. Uh, this draw for Olympic means that they are now tied on 16 points, as we mentioned before, with Croatia and Belconnen. Uh, Gungarlan remain in fourth place with 11 points, five off their opponents today and the other two. Uh, however, they do have a match in hand. So if they're able to um, gain a win in that catch-up, Michael, Gungarlan would be very close to throwing their hat in the ring in terms of um, they're already competing with the teams. Draw today with Olympic, um, knocked out Olympic from the Fed Cup, draw with Canberra Croatia. Um, but in terms of points-wise, if they're able to get a win uh, when the catch-up match is, which um, it could be uh, pretty soon, I've been told. So when that happens, uh, if Bingarland can get themselves there, they'll definitely be throwing their hat in the ring, it seems. They've uh, been very competitive so far under Andrew Woodman. Yeah, you're definitely right, uh, Matt. Nevertheless, we'll get into the MPLW Round 8 fixtures we have Belconnen United up against Gungahlin United Saturday, May 27th, 3 p.m. at McKellar Park. Follow that with Canberra Olympic up against Canberra, Croatia. That's going to be an absolute cracker. Sunday, May 28th, 2.30 p.m. at O'Connor Enclosed. We then have Tuggeranong United up against West Canberra Wanderers Sunday, May 28th, 3 p.m. at Canberra 201. Before lastly, Canberra United Academy at home again against ANUWFC Sunday, May 28th, 28th, 3.20 p.m. at Hawker Football Centre, Matt. So some great fixtures there in terms of MPLW action that we will break down on the next show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our CPL segment of the show. Joining us again uh, to wrap up... Um... So the action after all seven matches of the first third of the season have been played in the CPL. The only league to not have any catch-up games uh, of the main three senior leagues at the moment is Chris Webb. Webby, thank you so much for joining us. And you must be nearly on cloud nine as it looks like Newcastle have essentially uh, secured Champions League for next season for the first time in 20 or something years. So how are you feeling, mate? Oh, look, there's always... Something that could go wrong. Two losses. <laughs> Liverpool win 5-0 and we're out. So it's not over till it's over. Uh, no, as I said to you last time, I think it was the last time we talked, I said it was the first time I actually believed. Then the two weeks pro post that, I actually lost all belief after uh, we 
drew and and lost. So um, no, it wasn't until the win last weekend, and then obviously what Liverpool did last night. So finally, I've actually think it's done and dusted, and yeah, it'll be a uh, very interesting times ahead, especially with this crazy new Champions League format that's getting mm. rolled out next year. Yeah, it should be intriguing and uh, exciting times there for Newcastle fans, if that happens. And uh, we'll go from one team in black and white stripes to another. Uh, Let's start with Wagga City Wanderers against Canberra White Eagles, a massive 8-1 victory for Wagga. I was able to catch about maybe an hour of this game um, on the weekend at Woden Park enclosed. Um, It was Wagga who opened the scoring via Maxwell Prest. Uh, This began a flurry of... uh, of a goal-scoring burst as they scored another three in the first half. Kozola scored next, and then Plongis scored uh, two goals, a brace to round out an impressive half for Wagga. Some really nice goals in this one, including a chip over the keeper. Um, Both of the final ones in this half were balls um, in behind the defense. Um, So Wagga clearly were targeting that ball in behind and, uh, using their speed to run on the end of it. Very impressive stuff, like I said, from Wagga in the first half. After the first goal, White Eagles had some good momentum going. They had a couple of chances. However, after that second goal went in, uh, momentum was all Wagga in that first half. Uh, And despite an early chance early on in the second half from White Eagles, it was Wagga that started off in style as Chase Donetto unleashed an absolute beauty of a shot. He was... Right near the end of the um of the line, right on the left side of the field, shot from well out wide, and uh, his shot soared right into the top, uh, far top corner. Stunning goal here to make it five nil. Four minutes later, White Eagles scored their first as Zach Lawrence broke the lines of the of the defense and scored his sixth goal of the campaign. White Eagles enjoyed a bit of momentum after this goal. However, Woggard rounded off uh, the scoring via Jack Plongis again for uh, another goal and a hat-trick overall. Press scored another and Yongai made it 8-1. As I mentioned, despite a little bit of early momentum and chances, it was uh, after that second goal, Wogger just seemingly were on another level uh, in this game. uh, White Eagles remain in seventh place, three points off the Brindies and six points off the top four. Wogger, like I said, very, very impressive. Some real quality goals here. They leapfrog Belconnen now into third place and are now two points off Queanbeyan and three points off Ugali, who are in first. Uh, thoughts on this one, Webby? What, we mentioned how Wagga, well Wagga did well, last time you were on, but they're in third place now and they've just beat uh, White Eagles 8-1. Yeah, look, it's super impressive. And we talked about it and said that we didn't give them all too much of a chance coming into the season, even though, again, yeah, we've got to caveat all these things. They had a fantastic run last year and were cruising for a final spot last year and it all came undone right at the final hurdle. So again, they've you know, they're probably picking up a bit quicker momentum than they did last year. So if they can put in that middle piece of the season, you know, we talk about three, four rounds. If they can have a good second rounds, then um look, they'll set themselves up well and truly to be pushing in that final spot and you know, hopefully they you know, they can just keep that momentum going on. Um, you know, with Jake Plonges and and Morris Kadzal, like two fantastic goal scorers in their team. Um, you know, 
Morris got a lot of creativity and Jake's just that really big body up top. He causes everybody problems and he's he's really he's a handful and he's a good quality player. And you know, look they're they're building a really good good team over there and um look it'll be interesting to see how they go. And I think everybody um has kind of struggled with them and, and really, really don't want to go and play them out at Wagga. They um they, everyone finds that a difficult game and you know, they're they're very good at home, but they're really adding those some of those away games. Um this one, you know, included a huge, huge win to come to Canberra and put that kind of score on, you know, a stall at like White Eagles. So fantastic result for them. And in terms of White Eagles, uh, what do you think of them before we move on to the next match? Uh before this one, arguably, uh the points in that they've accumulated probably didn't uh reflect how well they've sort of done or how well they've done in those games. Obviously, today was a different story, but what do you think about White Eagles so far? Yeah, look, White Eagles has been interesting. We talked about them at the start of the year, saying they had a, a mixed bag of a preseason where they you know, they they lost um, to State League side in the Cup, but then they had some quite good results against some MPL and Illawarra Premier League sides. And so we, but we knew that they had such a huge turnover. I can't remember now, like 12 or 13 first graders. Um, so it's almost a completely new side. So it was always going to be very interesting. Um, you know, the, again, a really top quality coach and Angelo coming in. So everyone was like, what, what is Angelo going to be able to do with a brand new team? And, you know, they had some very strange results at the start. I lost to, to Juventus and then, uh, you know, they picked up a massive win over Brenda Bella. And you kind of look at it and go, they've they've won one, drawn two, lost four. Yet the goal difference isn't all that bad, actually. You know, it's it's minus six. You'd think if you'd lost three more games than you've won, you'd probably have a little bit more of a... Um, and especially when one of those was an 8-1 loss. Um, to be only minus six, it just shows how close... All the other games where they really only it was only you know the odd goal winning against the Bell Connons and um you know draws against Queenie and the, and A and U like they they've really gone out there and um competed but it just shows how how tough this comp is when they've shown how competitive they are and they're sitting second last you know as we talk about it somebody's got to be last somebody's got to be second last and all these teams in here are, are very competitive. And talking about competitive teams, uh, Michael, the next matchup had the team that are currently in second place pick up a pick up a victory bounce back from last week. What was the score in that one? It was three one uh, for Queanbeyan City in this one against Canberra Juventus. Matt Ariel Ayul uh, proved to be the difference maker in the first half as he scored twice in the eleventh and thirty eight minutes respectively to give his side the lead heading into half time. Veteran striker Nathan Duck stepped up again for uh, Canberra Juventus in this instance to half the deficit uh, in the 69th minute of the game. Uh, and that was also his fourth goal of the CPL campaign uh, as well, which means he is the top scorer for his team. Nico Abbott immediately struck back uh, for Queanbeyan uh, after finding the back of the net uh, three minutes later to restore the two-goal advantage and that meant that the Argentine scored his fifth goal of the season. He's Queanbeyan's highest goal scorer. So 
while this may have been an expected victory for many, you know, it was an important one for Queanbeyan, you know, as they bounced back from last week's defeat at Wargone. Kept in reach with uh, Yulgali, who won again, and uh, a one point ahead at the top of the table. Whereas for Canberra Juventus, still remain in eighth place without a victory since round one. They are also still just two points off White Eagles, uh, who were the team that they beat in round one. So those two will battle it out next week in a bid to try and get their season's kick-started. So, Webby, what were your thoughts on this result? Obviously, a, a good bounce-back win for Queanbeyan City, but uh, Canberra Ventus stay rooted uh, to the bottom of the table. Yeah, look, I guess this one was probably as predicted, um, especially if you kind of um, didn't take the last few weeks into account. This was um, things back to normal. Um Queenie, I think we're missing a few. They obviously had the two boys suspended from who got red cards last week. Um, and I think there were a couple more outs there. Um, Basco and Ahai, I think, were also missing. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good bounce back for them. And Ugali, Wagga, you know, we thought really it would be kind of ANU and Belconnen putting the pressure on them for that promotion spot. But... You know, Yagali are clearly the pace setters. And so Queenie now are the ones who are kind of can't drop too many points. They've got, they got to make sure that they stay in that race. So uh, these were extremely valuable points for them to pick up. Um, look, uh, Gabby Ayo is a fantastic player. Um, you know, I remember him playing um, at O'Connor Knights and he was uh, always a torment up front. Um, and so very, very dangerous. It's a great pickup, actually, for Queenie. And, and yeah, he can slot in there with uh, that what is already a very good forward line. So um, very dangerous for them. And uh, look for the Juventus again. You know, talking about our preseason, we said it was going to be hard for them coming up um, from State League One into this league, especially you know without with only a little bit of notice. They didn't have as much notice as they probably should have um, to get it. they kind of everything into proper preparation for pre-season. And to be honest, I think that they've done a very, very good job um, where they are. You know, look, only only one win, which is still quite good. But again, looking at goal difference, yeah, their goal difference is not not too bad for for uh, six losses. They, they've really been, they've really shown that they are competitive at this competition. Yeah, they're not, they're not easy beats by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely. Matt, who do we have next up in CPL action? Next up, we had ANU with a massive 3-0 victory over Belconnen United. Uh, it was the university side that opened the scoring in the uh, 23 minutes into the contest as Chase Deans whipped in across for Nicholas Hope to header at home. This is Hope's fifth goal of the season, and he is top goal scorer for the ANU so far this campaign. Uh, Lopez made a 2-0 before halftime as he converted from the spot kick. Uh, to give the all-important two-goal lead heading into the break. ANU made it three just before the end of the matchup. Uh, Keeper made a save, however, palmed the shot sort of into the path of Rory Spears, who didn't waste the opportunity and put it into the back of the net. This is Spears' fourth goal so far this season. Very impressive victory for ANU as they break away from the Brindies and jump back into the top four, so also an important victory for them as well. Uh, They lead... 
um, by four on goal difference and a tie at 11 points um, with the side that they beat in Belconnen United. Um, and to beat someone like Belco uh, by three, nonetheless, and keep a clean sheet against them is no small feat. Uh, so let's see if uh, ANU can use this to boost uh, their me- momentum going forward as they're back in the top four now. Uh, Belco's fight at the top of the table seems to have taken a bit of a hit after this loss. As I mentioned before, they dropped the fourth behind ANU on goal difference. Uh, they are only four. So, But they are, to be fair, though, they're only four points behind Ugali in top spot. So realistically, Webby, um, if other results go their way and they get one victory, um, and they're playing Wagga this weekend, so third versus um, tied fourth there, um, one more win and they could be back in it, uh, again, depending on results. And in terms of ANU, uh, we sort of talked about their consistency last season, but this was a big win for them. Do you reckon they could sort of use this to uh, push forward that momentum? Yeah, look, um, I was uh, at the field, so the game, my game that I was coaching was next door, so I did spend a good amount of time ignoring my game and watching this one because it was a, a nice, fiery affair and two very good quality sides. Um, so I saw, actually, I think I saw all the goals and uh, quite a few misses, and we're, we can talk about that in the last few minutes by ANU before they, they picked up that third goal. Um they looked, they looked really good, actually, ANU, um, especially the centre-back pairing. Um, so uh, a young Ethan Tudor Hope kind of playing in there with Monty Grace. And, you know, it was just that kind of really good combination of speed and strength and, and youth in there. Um, and, you know, they they kind of gave some of those elder statesmen at Bell Connor a, a good, little, good little run in there and, um, I think that they'll they'll probably deserving of the win, um, ANU, and it's a it's a huge leapfrog for them. I I think we talked about it a bit, saying that Tom uh, he's got a really big squad and uh, a lot of quality across that squad. No one, you know, there's not there's not really a standout eleven there, and that sometimes can cause problems. Yeah, you know, we talk about consistent 11s you can really start building that momentum when you can get the same at least nine or ten guys on the pitch constantly and you're only tinkering at the edges but I think that they've had pretty big sweeping changes from week to week and it's probably what's led them to not be as consistent as they want but I feel like Tom's kind of really nailing down who that starting 11 is and then once he gets that consistent and and he then the firepower that he can bring off the bench you know, this this game was the likes of Max Model and, and Rory Spears. It's you know, that's uh, the equivalent of bringing on you know some of the Manchester City style forwards when they can come off the bench in this league. And you know, it's really quite hard for the opposition to be able to to compete with that. So, uh, as you said, I think a, a win against Wagga, and all of a sudden um, they're right back in the mix. But a win against Wagga that is uh, a lot easier said than done. So um, yeah, they they got to they got to prove that consistency out on the pitch. And look, and as for Belconnen, um, I think look somewhat surprising. I, th- I think uh, at least from from my perspective, and I, I know a few people I talk, we really thought Belconnen maybe wouldn't walk through this comp because we know how good this comp is, but. Uh, from the guys that they've managed to hold on to from um, and some of the quality of the youth players that they brought in, but not just that, it wasn't just the names on the, on the paper, but 
the, the quality that they showed in those um, Australian Cup games pre-season, they really looked, to honestly, to me, on a very, very similar level to Targrenong in, in CPL last year. Just the way they clicked, the speed. And I thought, look, they would probably be pushing um, this competition a little bit harder, but maybe it is just that little bit of an element of surprise for them um, not knowing what this competition was was all about and what the quality is going to be like. And they do have some aging bodies in there, but again, watching some of that, some of the game, you know, I didn't get to see too much, but you know, when Dustin and, and Robbie Cadenac were on the ball, they've still got uh, exceptional class there. Um, it's just probably making sure that the, the guys around them, they use them properly. It certainly should be interesting to see what happens when we've got uh, a lot of the top four battling out next week. Uh, talking about the top four, Michael, next match last up for the round is currently the team topping the pile. Yeah, that's right, Matt. Yulgali against Brindabella Blues, a 2-1 win for the home team. Priest and Donadell with the goals for the home team and Leonard for the Brindies. It was a goalless uh, first half. Uh, seemed to be, you know, quite a tight affair by all accounts from both teams. You know, Yulgali opened the scoring right after the halftime interval as Joe Priest put the ball into the back of the net. This is his third goal of the season. However, Brenda Bella struck back into the contest 11 minutes later. It was Jacob Leonard who scored his first goal of the campaign as he grabbed the ball, made a driving run down the left-hand side and struck a low bullet along the ground into the far post. So a great strike to bring his side level. Yulgali took the lead again as Ruben Donadell cut inside his marker and squared it for Mason Donadell, who dribbled it outside his marker and smacked a bullet into the roof of the net to win them the game. So this is obviously... Yulgali's fifth win in a row and fourth win in a row at home. So they're really solidifying their home field advantage as a fortress in Griffith. And we've talked about that in previous episodes as well. They're really making it a hard place for teams to come and beat them at. They remain top of the table by one point over second place, Queanbeyan, and three points ahead of Wagga in third. So they're doing very, very well. Confidence is very, very high with this team. Webby. What were your sort of t- key takeaways from this game as Yulgali stand top of the mountain in CPL at the moment? Yeah, look, um, they started off the, the competition with two extremely tough games against ANU and Queanbeyan, and they lost them both by a single goal. And uh, we kind of thought, oh, look, that's not too bad. They're on zero points, but... You know, they're, they're quite amicable results against two of the, the clear pre-season favourites for the league. And then they have just taken off post them. And again, you know, it's one of the things that I love to really judge teams by, especially once um, a full round has been played, not necessarily by points, but by goal difference. And they are streaking ahead on goal difference, I think. And again, I don't have it in front of me. They're about plus 10 uh, maybe even more than that, and, and well ahead of the next best in the comp. So, um, look, they're, they're looking extremely, extremely good. We, we knew, uh, you know, the quality that they had in there, um, you know, Joe Priest and, and all, all the Donadell boys, um, and then with Darren Bailey coming back and the quality that he's had and has shown in the in 
Canberra's MPL the last few years, um, was always going to be uh, a big injection into what was already quite a, quite a strong team. Was it going to have as big as injection as uh, we've come to see? I'm not sure if everyone would have thought that, but um, I don't think too many people can be overly surprised about what they're doing. And uh, look, it's it'll be interesting now that they're coming through on a five-game winning streak. That now back into that cycle to play ANU and Queanbeyan again, which were the two games that they lost. So if they can, instead of uh, you know pick up zero points, but pick up two, three, four, even six points there. All of a sudden, you know, they will be really, really uh, kind of screaming red hot to keep pushing, pushing the league leaders, I think. Absolutely, Webby. Uh, Matt, do you want to get into our CPL round eight fixtures before we sign off? Yeah, and Webby mentioned a few of them there. We've got some absolutely intriguing matches that will have ramifications at the top of the table. Uh, first up is the one uh, we probably first mentioned before. Uh, third place against uh, against fourth, Wagga City Wanderers against Bell Connon United. Saturday, May 27, 2.15pm at Gissing Oval. Uh, Queanbeyan City against the Brindabella Blues. This one's always a close one. Saturday, May 27, 3pm at High Street. Canberra Juventus against Canberra White Eagles. Saturday, May 27, 3pm at Ainsley Field 2. And then the last one, most recently mentioned by Webby there, ANU versus Ugali, Saturday, May 27, 3.15pm at ANU South Oval. Uh, Webby, thank you so much for joining us, as always. Uh, any last words uh, on anything before we head off? Um, no, look, I hope uh, Newcastle can seal the deal tonight. <laughs> and... Um, Let's see if uh, Juventus can make it into the Champions League and we can we hey. can uh, meet next year. But we'll see uh, how that goes. But look, no, looking forward to this week. It, um, it's been a fantastic uh, first full round, and some of these games now are actually quite massive games. Um, you know, teams that are really pushing each other in the top four. I think the Juventus White Eagles game is also uh, a really big game. You know, uh, relegation is exists in this competition Juventus will be uh, desperate to avoid being you know coming up for one year and dropping back down and uh, you know could anyone fathom White Eagles being relegated out of Capital League it would just be uh, unbelievable but um, you know look long 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 way to go to talk about relegation we're only a third way in there but those kind of games they're just big psychological you know when you're in a little arm wrestle down the bottom yeah, those games can carry a whole lot of weight and yeah. Um, but look, I think that ANU Ugali, that's that that will be a fantastic game. So if anyone can get out there, that'll be uh, a game to go and see. There certainly will be. I might as well say here since we've ranted everyone else about it. It is one European trophy for you've had a win in my lifetime. Is that too much to ask for? I think it I think it might be too much to ask for, isn't it? Like so many close ones, semi-finals, final losses. I'm sure there's a People of uh, fans of clubs with a lot more, um, a lot more pain than that. But uh, you know, seven Champions League finals and five of them lost. Like, um, it's just insanity. Yeah, absolutely sure. insanity. And then With- Europa League can't even win that. Oh my god. Anyway, what can I say? 
with all the fraudulent activity. Oh, here we go. Here we go. They still can't win. What else are we going to do? Yeah, mate, can I just say it's a witch hunt? That's a witch hunt. If that happens, you're going to be seeing a few posts from me calling this a witch hunt, I think, on on my stories. But anyway, we'll save that for another day. Michael, any last words before we head off? Obviously, you're very happy with intervening the Champions League uh, final. Very tough matchup, though, against City. Very slim chance, I reckon, as a Juve fan saying that. Well, look... You know, they obviously got it done in 2010, and that was in your lifetime, Matt. So you might be able to experience that yet again. Uh, yeah. If they beat, uh, if they manage to beat City, so um, you know, you might have a a, a little bit of, uh, you know, might be able to yeah. a bit of a smile knowing that an Italian team other than Juve could could get that done for you. But yeah, I don't think I'll be showing my face in public event to win the Champions League again. Uh, <laughs> going to go into hiding. But. Uh, Look, that's going to be an entertaining final uh, for sure. Now, obviously, it's not sort of right away. Sort of days or so. There's a little bit of time uh, before that match goes ahead. But obviously, I'll be wearing the uh, the black and blue of Inter, waving around my flag, probably putting on my Inter jersey for that one. So, and it makes it good um, being against City because I, I dislike City so much being a United fan too. So, um, you know, I've got the got Inter playing City in the. Champions League final, and then obviously United have City in the FA Cup final. So hopefully I can get two out of two. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Anyway, uh, that's it for us today on this episode 79 of the Canberra Football Show. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Enjoy your weekend, and more importantly, enjoy the football.